You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shake and Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch and uh, back here again with uh, my co-host Gary Hawkins. Gary, how are you doing? I'm good, Shaker. How about you today? Terrific, terrific. So as you know, as May, June rolls around, the smiles get brighter and brighter, right? <laughs> so today we go back to kind of like the uh, Ohio region. And I know our guest comes from Ohio, lived all his life there. And uh, this is a topic, Gary, that we've spoken about many times, but this is somebody who's actually doing what we talk about. So it's going to be great to hear from Adam. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this should certainly be uh, near and dear to many retailers' hearts, right? So uh, listen up, everyone. Yeah, and, and you know, we're entering an age, you know, digital transformation. You guys have heard all those terms, buzzwords, but here's a company and a founder that's actually doing it. And so I want to welcome to the Retail Perch, Adam Zimmerman. Adam, welcome. Thank you so much. That was a very warm welcome. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to being here with you guys today. Terrific. I know this is going to be a great conversation. So Adam, take a few minutes, tell us about your background, you know, what your, you know, you don't have to give us your entire life history. If you want to, you can do that. But, you know, a little background about uh, how you wound up with what you're doing today. Uh, Absolutely. Adam Zimmerman, my company is called Design House. We have created a digital circular platform. We haven't always done this. In our world, this is about four years old, almost three and a half yet, probably. We were a full service agency, so we were doing all of the normal stuff and we were into media buying and all of the stuff that goes with media buying. We were into mostly digital content creation. And it's really that combination of those two uh, disciplines that have led to kind of where we are here today. Originally, we were very heavy in the grocery industry. I mean, and actually in the the hardware industry, we've reverted to be uh, predominantly in in grocery, but starting to get into many verticals. But, uh, But after many years of conversations with uh, hardware store owners, we realized one of their biggest pain points was their their circular, right? And they, in the hardware world, they have a monthly circular, different than the weekly cadence of the, the grocery industry. But many of our, our clients were Ace Hardware owners. And in the world of Ace Hardware, you have this control at the top that creates this circular and then distributes it across the country. Uh, individual owners own their own, own stores across the country, but they had very little control over the content. And while, you know, 60 or 70% of the the SKUs in their store came from corporate and through that distribution system, they had, you know, 30 to 40% of the content in the store that was locally sourced. They had no ability to inject that content into the circular. And uh, and they, of course, had felt, as many people have over the last couple of decades, a constant decline in the ROI that comes from the print circular system. So for years, we kind of, we had been hearing from them, the, these, these, these gripes, and we knew that there was a solution that lived in the digital world. Uh, we just didn't know what. And there was just one day, this is about three and a half, four years ago, when the light, mo- light bulb moment went off and we had this idea of creating a digital circular and connecting it to a, a media buy system and setting up an analytical reporting system behind that whole world. And, and really that day we pivoted on a dime and, and we've shifted our business pretty extraordinarily. Within six to nine months of that period, we were no longer a full service agency. We were a, a tech media company. And we have been building our platform. We've gone through many revisions from, from where we started. But now we have what I consider to be the most advanced digital circular platform. It does two things very differently. When we think in our minds of the digital circular, we think of a, uh, a, 
a PDF version of the print circular system that sits on our website that is a passive marketing platform. We have taken that and turned it into a, a system that moves far away from the PDF platform. It's, it's based entirely in a digital ecosystem and it has a media buy that connects directly to it that constantly drives traffic. It's monitoring who's shopping your stores and who's shopping your competitor stores. And it, it pulls those people into the ecosystem and then drives them to the store uh, and then reports on traffic driven back to the store. So it, it, the methodology behind what we're doing is exactly the same as the methodology that, that drove to the rise in the print circular industry back in the 70s and 80s. We've just found a way to bring that methodology into the modern era with all of the all of the amazing technology that exists today. So, so I, I guess two things sort of stand out to me, you know, from what you're doing. The, the first is, you know, using latest technologies to really bring that circular almost to life in, in a way, right? For the mm -hmm. shopper, making it more interactive and, and able to do more with it. The other is, you know, I guess the phrase that comes to my mind is sort of intelligent distribution. Right. You know, a lot of retailers, nearly every retailer today creates a, a digital version of their ad. But to your point, many of them are just a PDF. And when they think of distribution in the digital world, well, gee, I've got an email list. Uh, I got it on my website. Maybe I'm working with an agency in town that can help, you know, get some ads out there or something. But I my my take is. I don't think a lot of retailers, even you know, up into the, the chains, are, are really sophisticated with their approach. So are those comments accurate? 100% accurate. You know, I, I, where, where most retailers are today is just kind of a, you know, a, a constant evolution from, from where they started back in the print world. The real the reason that most digital, all digital circulars other than what we do are, are based in a PDF file is because there's an entire ecosystem inside of most retailers' worlds that revolve around that system, right? The way that to do their, their buying and their merchandising and their sales cycles and for the larger retailers, their, their CPG investment, it all circles around that, that, that print circular system. And so while most CMOs understand that there's not a good return on investment in that system anymore, it's not like they can just, you know, get rid of that and, and buy more radio or, or buy some targeted digital or, or really do any other marketing um, tactic because nothing will replace all of the pieces of this house of cards that's been built. And, and that we have thought through all of those, you know, all of those systems when we built, built our, uh, our platform to make sure that, that all of those cards remain standing, that, that, that a retailer can, can move very effortlessly from the print world to the digital world and not lose any aspects of that ecosystem. It's not just, uh, Adam, it's not just, of course, for a lot of retailers, they are, you know, some people use the word they're kind of addicted to the whole deal flow engine, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's become a part of their operational, you know, quarterly operational cycle. They have, they have these trade shows where they go make the deals, buy the deals, and therefore, you know, TPRs and ad items that are going to come in the next quarter. So there's a whole machinery tied to this. And now we're, you're introducing a vehicle, alternate vehicle of reaching customers, essentially to do the same thing, which is get people back into the store. Correct. Yeah, but do you think retailers need to start rethinking their entire process of how they put these promotions out? How do they even design these promotions? Because you're giving more flexibility, right? Because typically if something has to go to print, it has to go to print like two weeks ahead of time, right? Before it, you know, it's finalized and gets to the printer. 
Now with digital, you can change things on the fly if you want, right? You can maybe potentially give a store manager the ability to inject a new item that they want to get pushed out because the update is instantaneous, right? There are many aspects of the, the circular system that are constrained to the world of print, right? And you've mentioned some of them just, just now, uh, Shaker, and, and you know some of them have to do with the, the time period you need to develop it, of course, you know, lead time to, before you go live. And especially with what's been happening recently with supply chain issues, it's, it's very advantageous to be able to make on the fly changes, uh, remove an item, add an item, change a price. The, the, it's a simple idea that a sale in a store runs on a seven day weekly cadence, right? That is based entirely around print. It's because, and that, that all starts because the, the, the primary pr system for distribution is insertion into newspapers. And so it goes out in the newspaper on the same day every week. But it, you know, when we, when we turn on a new store, generally they follow that same cadence, right? They follow the seven day cadence and every item, if you think about a circular, especially on a phone, you have this long scroll list of different, different size, we call them cards. And each card has its own start date and its own stop date. Regardless, when we turn on a retailer, all of those cards turn over every single week, right? Because that's the thing they've been used to doing. When our retailers move from, from, from focusing on producing a print circular to kind of getting out of the print system and focusing on a digital circular, they realize that they can pull away from those, those constraints. And some items can be up and down every week. Some items can stay up for two weeks. Some items can stay up for a month. You could have an item in there that's permanent. Uh, we always, I use an analogy that, you know, you could have 50 stores, but one store sells this, you know, Bob's honey, because Bob lives in that one little town and he sells his honey to that store. And those people who live there just love it. You'd never put that into a print circular, but that could very easily live in a digital circular. And it could be there all year if you wanted to, uh, again, because every, every card, every deal has its own start date and its own stop date. And that's one of many constraints that you can get away from um, when you start to, to change the way you think about, about your weekly ad cycle. You know, the other piece of that puzzle shaker is that you know, think about the energy that's put towards the circular system today for most retailers. There's a massive amount of, of human labor on a weekly basis that goes into that production process. And not just the art and the design, but all of the, the buying and the merchandising that goes into it, you know, the, the, the price reductions across the board, the point of sale system, and, and, and the way that the marketing department thinks about going to market and, and communicating to their audience. And, and as soon as they, they see, they learn, that there are there are many different ways to do this. There's there's animation in our system and, and rich video content and the ability to drive traffic right to a promotion, you know, with a single click or you know drive sign up to a to a rewards program or you know integrate e-commerce and digital coupons. And as soon as they kind of understand the um, you know the new the new ceiling they have for the potential, um, it takes a while, but the average retailer will really shift the way their entire marketing department functions. Um, to to follow these new rules, these digital rules, which are more freeing and and uh, you know have certainly better connections to the to the customer. You think so. there's a concern that this is way too disruptive to the status quo? I mean, are, you know, sometimes change is terrific because it amaz it gives you some amazing new abilities. But when you realize that hey, this is going to require potentially my operations might be completely disrupted. I have to do something in a new way. I mean. People are concerned about their positions. Am I going to still have a job? I mean, you know, there's all these other real concerns that come along with any of these new technology innovations, right? And uh, so, how do retailers? How do you? How, what's been your experience in terms of how they? I can imagine a marketer is super excited when they see something like this, but when they step back and see what the implications are, do you think there's some cause for 
concern. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, Gary. I mean, this, you know, this circular employs a lot of people in the industry. Right. You know, the word disruptive, I, I like using when we talk about what we're doing to the print industry, because we are disrupting the print industry in a significant way. Um, and we are very proud of that. And we are, you know, we're saving a lot of trees in, in the process. But, but as far as internal inside of an organization, that's where you were getting at here, Shaker. You know, we, we see what we're doing as much, much more freeing and allowing an organization to, to market in a way that, that really fits better into 2022, right? I mean, one of the, one of the odd things that I learned when we, when we took a deep dive into, you know, especially the grocery industry is there are a lot of things that are very behind the times. And, and a lot of that is revolving around the fact that this print circular is the central fulcrum point for their marketing ecosystem. And, and they know that, you know, they, they know that it's, it's kind of holding them back from doing a lot of things that they could do if, if that wasn't part of this, the, the central focus. And as soon as you kind of pull that plug, everything kind of organically rearranges itself. And suddenly you're, you're left with the ability to market in the way that, that most industries are marketing nowadays. And that's, that's one thing that we get very excited about is kind of opening the, you know, Pandora's box of possibilities for, for marketing systems that, that, that are predominantly digital these days, but, but aren't constrained by the, the, you know, the, the focus on print. Mm. So, right. so Anne, what's, what's been your experience as you work with a growing number of retailers, do you see them dropping the, their traditional paper, you know, printed ad? Do you see some type of uh, evolution happen where they, you know, either reduce distribution, reduce pages, that type thing? What do you see out there? About today, about a third of our, about a third of our customers are, are still doing print and they don't necessarily have plans to get away from it. They're running our print and digital at the same time. About a third of our customers are in some cycle to get rid of print. Maybe it's a three or six or nine month cycle to kind of phase out of it. And about a third of our customers have already phased out. Now, circling back, most of our, of our, of our clients, when we first meet them, one of the first things they say is print is, is essential to our business. And, you know, we don't have plans to get away and we probably won't ever get away. And that tone changes very quickly as soon as they start seeing the results. You know, we get a, a system up and running. Um, they see how it reacts. They get the, the the response from their customer base. They see our analytics that come through and their own analytics they, they produce. And as soon as that happens, uh, they get very excited about how much money they can save if they continue to to pull money out of their print ecosystem. And um, and so there's there's always a shift in thinking from we're either very nervous or we're not going to get out of this to how quickly can we move out of this system? Um, it happens almost every time. Yeah. I, I mean, retail, inevitably, retailers' biggest fear of making a change to their advertising is how's it going to impact my, you know, my sales, right? Yeah. And yeah. If, if I reduce or I pull the, the printed ad, are my sales going to go over a cliff, you know, and so on? And I, I think to what you were saying, if they move digital and they see that there's no negative impact to their sales, there may even be a positive impact to their sales and store traffic and so on. Their confidence grows pretty fast. 100%. Yeah, perfectly put. Yeah, and I think the the whole, you know, weeks ago, Gary, you and I did a, a three-part series on personalization where we were talking about eventually this is where things are going to go. I mean, the ability to have, uh, the minute you go to digital, you kind of unshackle yourself in a huge way 
and you have the ability to have a more dynamic promotional uh, system where yeah. you are displaying to people exactly what's relevant to them. There's no need to then be stuck to the static approach to here's the content, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think the other, the sort of flip side of that is, in my mind, from a shopper perspective, you know, digital demands relevancy and personalization, right? You know, in today's world, uh, people have become so used to their digital experiences, Amazon, Netflix, whoever, right, being tailored to them based on whatever that merchant knows about them, you know, everything they see when they open up that, that page, when they open up that email, you know, recommendations, other things, it, it's become an expectation to the point shoppers, I don't even think, realize what's going on anymore, right? They look at it and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm interested in all those things. The exception is when it's not tailored to them, it's like, what's going on? Right. Exactly. You know, I, I keep telling my, some of the people that I work with, when some things work really, really well, you know they work well because you don't think about them. Yep. Yeah. Right? And, and when things don't work well, that's when you think about them. That's, that's, you know, so to me, you know, it's like when you have, if you have a headache and you take medicine and the pain goes away, you don't really think about how well it worked. You just continue with your life <laughs> unhindered. And I think that's exactly what I think is going to happen with the digital circle. People are finally going to realize that, oh my God, life is just so much better and so much freer. And I have so many options in terms of engaging my customers than I ever had before. The other reason to me that personalization is so vital to the future of this entire industry, circular and, and many other things, is that our world has shifted over to the, these tiny little screens, right? And so, you know, in the, I can compare in the circular world, when I have a print circular, I have this, this big, you know, newspaper format, lots of real estate to lay things out. And we are very good as humans at scanning a lot of data and finding the things that pick out, you know, are important to us. But it's a challenge to, to build a system that functions on a tiny little four or five inch screen that is a, is, is a, is a positive shopping experience. And, you know, I always make the analogy to being in a store, you know, there might be 50, 60,000 items in that store and there might be 30 versions of mustard that I can choose, but I can choose very quickly just standing there in front of it. But if you show me 30, 30 options for mustard on my phone, it's, it's overwhelming, right? I would much rather know, if, if you know which mustard I buy every six weeks and you know it's been seven or eight weeks since I bought it, just show me that mustard, I can add it to my cart and I can move on. We've had a lot of great conversations about how Bird's Eye and Design House can do really cool integrations, you know, seeing that purchase history, doing some great predictive analysis, and then allowing a, a catered version of the circular to, to, to display. Um, and truly, obviously it's better for the retailer, but it's a far better experience for that customer. Um, oh. I always use the analysis of how today you could have the same store and you could have two customers. You get this, you know, this, this kid who's in college and you get a, a retired doctor, right? And they see exactly the same circular today, right? And they shop the same store, but they shop in very, very different ways. And we can, if we can see how they shop and we can cater that experience to them, we're allowing them to accomplish the goal that they're looking to accomplish in far shorter period of time, producing a better quality experience uh, and clearly better, better for the, the retailer as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's taken in my mind far too long, but, you know, all the pieces are, are finally there and the capabilities are there to, to make this happen and make this real. 
for retailers, shoppers. Uh, you know, is is you were talking at a memory, you know, flashback. Twenty years ago, I was meeting with the senior executives of Nokia over in Finland in their headquarters, right? And they saw the day that you know this smartphone, this small screen is going to become a marketing vehicle. And just as you said, what's presented there has got to be relevant. Uh, so, you know, it's not a new idea, but finally all the technologies, all the pieces are there to make this real. Yeah, I mean, this is a classic case of less is more, right? So yes. You need to have relevancy. And I think in a world where there's so many other retail verticals that are really focused on understanding the customer and tailoring the experience. Grocery is kind of, you know, a laggard in that sense. But I think the, the last two years, obviously, with the supermarkets being the center of our lives, it's kind of put that focus back on. And people are, I think, demanding a better experience. Because I think, you know, I think we've talked about this a couple of times, you know, with, uh, with e-commerce on the rise, uh, you know, switching a store is actually just a click away. It's not a car drive away, right? It's, it's an extra click. So the need for the retailer to be more relevant to the shopper and do a greater job in personalizing the offers is just becomes more important because it's, you know, what does it take for me to switch grocers today? Go to a different website. You know, I mean, it's so easy. So I think uh, this, is, this is such a great thing you guys are doing. So in terms of, of if a retailer needs to engage with you, typically, what are we talking about? What's the effort and what's the length of time that it takes? to switch over and, and start, you know, testing out your process. So uh, in, in a very simple way, we can activate a, a new store within just a couple of weeks, right? If, if we're just going to um, do some manual uh, generation of content uh, and we don't have to integrate with, with all kinds of technology, it's something that we can turn on very, very quickly, just producing a, a far better version of their digital circular today. Um, and generally that's how we activate new stores. And then what we would normally do is over time, start to integrate technology. Let's, let's integrate the e-commerce platform so that you can build a list in the digital circular and move into e-commerce and, and continue to check out. Uh, let's integrate digital coupons into the platform. Let's, let's start to dive down the road of personalization using awesome technology like Birdseye and, and ingesting that con, you know, the, the, the purchase history and, and doing some great predictive analysis. And so, um, so to answer your question, it can be done very quickly within just a couple of weeks. Um, some, some retailers require that we kind of get all of these uh, systems plugged in before we go live, in which case you could be looking at a month or two, depending on exactly what we're doing. Um, uh, but that's, that's pretty much it. The, the, the lifting on the, the client side usually is not that heavy unless they're managing a lot of their own internal tech, in which case uh, th those departments are working with our, our development department to, you know, to get everything to talk right. to each other. What about the size of retailer? Does it really matter if I'm like a one, two store guy versus a hundred store, a 300 store chain? You know, it's a good question. Um, in our world, uh, no, uh, we can produce the same type of results for, um, for, for those who change. The, the smaller retailers aren't going to have the same requirements for tech integrations. And so we can usually turn on much, much more quickly. You know, the, the one, the one separation between your smaller retailers and your larger retailers is that, you know, once you get over a certain size, you are monetizing, you have the ability to monetize the real estate within the digital circular to that CPG and vendor community. And this is something that we, we have kind of, this space we've grown into a lot recently. You know, there are, there are chains of a certain size that are already doing that and they're doing that for print. But if you think about the way that 
uh, real estate is monetized in the print circular system, it's it's on or off. You know, it's either you know you're you're generating revenue because they're paying for real estate in your circular, or they're not. And they're either advertising to everyone or they're advertising to no one. Uh, and that's one of these systems that I mentioned before. It's an archaic way of uh, of going to market for the CPG world. Whereas in our ecosystem, you know, you could have a, a you know, Coca-Cola could say we're coming out with a new, um, you know, that ability to connect those dots so quickly like that and focus on a very specific audience is very attractive to the CPG community. So to answer your question, the advantage that is different between the large chains and the small chains is that ability to monetize our ecosystem with with their CPG vendor community. Got yeah. it. So, so is there a play you think? Uh, think there's a play for CPGs to get involved in your platform directly? Huge play. So today we are not going out and engaging CPGs directly. The CPGs are engaged in our community, but through our our clients. Most of our smaller clients have asked us actually to do that on their behalf. They say, hey, collectively, we are many stores. And can you go, can you go to market for us and pull, pull uh, revenue generation into the system to drive incremental traffic to our platform? We see getting into that space possibly within the next year or so, just because of the level of interest there is within our client base. So, so do you, Adam, have any, and it's probably going to be, you know, larger retailers that maybe you're working with. Um, that are able to connect the dots and how can you help them connect the dots between the shoppers seeing, you know, that, that circular or, you know, specific promotion for a product and that shopper actually purchasing that product in the store. Absolutely. So that, that connection can be made entirely from end to end. If there's a rewards program in the middle, right? They can kind of follow that transaction all the way to checkout. It can always be made if there's an e-commerce equation, you know, most people will, will drive to store and, and shop in person, but, but if there's an e-commerce process, we can follow that transaction over. And our system measures foot traffic back to store for the people who are, of course, not logged in uh, with, a, uh, with a rewards program. We, we see the foot traffic from our ecosystem back to brick and mortar. And one of the things in our analytical reporting is uh, traffic back to store. And in our world, we produce a cost per visit. We say, we drove this many visits to your store. This is the cost for that period of time. And the cost per visit is the most important piece of, of data that we produce uh, because it's it's our biggest indicator of success. Uh, it's what we know where we want that to be. And there are lots of levers we can pull to get it there. And I bet your experience is that that is probably a new metric for a lot of retailers. It is. Right. Absolutely you know, th there are, I, I can remember back when I was, you know, a retailer, I, I got focused on trying to understand that, you know, back in the days of, of print and print distribution and so on, you know, we'd pump out, you know, 20,000 circulars or 50,000 circulars. And, you know, I'd see 6,000 unique customer households in the store that week. And it's like, geez, you know, and, and not even all of them may have received the circular. So, you know, you start understanding what your true cost of customer traffic is. Uh, it makes you look at things in a whole different way. It's true. It's very true. And that it's one challenge is that, you know, we're, we're giving deep amount of analytical data back to the stores and they don't have good uh, comparisons, right? I mean, what is the, what is the cost per visit for print? we don't really know what is the cost per visit for radio or, or for, for other targeted digital, you know, oftentimes the metric is something very different than that. But 
Um, for us, it's very important. It's it's the best way for us to analyze whether or not a, a platform and a program is working. Oh yeah. Well, it, again, if a retailer has got a strong, you know, loyalty program, right? That they're capturing a large portion of their sales and transactions, identifying it back to a shopper, it begins to make those measurements a whole lot easier. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Right. Fascinating. Now, in terms of measurability, right? So with, with, obviously with the printed circular, it's very difficult to actually measure what the impact is, right? You can, you can look at incremental sales, which is what happens when I put an item on the front page versus not on the front page in terms of average sales. But in terms of overall incremental sales, how is it affecting my bottom line? It gets very, very tricky to uh, understand exactly how that is. What do you think are the improvements that you that that a system like yours might provide in terms of traceability and analytics to understand impact? I mean, I know you you said cost per visit, but is are there any other metrics that you guys provide? Absolutely. So we take cost per visit one step farther, and so not only do we 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 report how much traffic we drove through the system, but we report what who those people are. So we can tell a, a retailer this is how many people we drove that are your regular customers that come every week. These are the people we drove that are new customers, meaning they had not been to your store in 90 days. Uh, these are conquests from your competition. And then there are there are a couple levels in between those two, people who come somewhat infrequently. And, and that provides a much richer perspective on what return on investment is. And there are really two areas of focus in our world. One is we want to target your regular customers and we want to help to grow basket size and loyalty within that community, right? And that is very easily measurable when there's a rewards program because we could just measure the lift in basket size between a rewards customer who shops the circular and then goes to the store versus one who does not. And, and, then, and then on the other side, we, we have a, a, a tool, of course, that measures new customers, right? We know if you haven't been to the store in 90 days, so we know if we drove you in. Uh, it's very easily, in, in that case, we, we take credit for, for the entire sale because, yeah. because this is a sale that wouldn't have been there. So you, right. you add up the lift in basket size and the new traffic that you're, you're driving in, and you have a, a very accurate representation of uh, a return on investment, which again, is, it's rare to get that level of, of, um, of analytical reporting back, but, right. um, but we're, we're proud of the fact that, that, that we produce it. Yeah. That's cool stuff. That's cool stuff. So Adam, I got to warn you that this is not going to be the end of your appearance on the retail perch. We're going to <laughs> because this is, this is a topic that both Gary and I love. And I think we are in the, at the cusp of a major revolution in supermarket retail in terms of how they go to the market, how do they reach customers? Because there's so many technologies coming in, the ability to digitize the circular, make it more dynamic, the personalization. I think the promotional personalized pricing, right? There's just so many things that are coming in that I think are going to, incredibly supercharge the environment here and make it so much better for the customer. Honestly, I think they're going to have a great experience. I'm excited about the next five years in terms of what this is going to turn into. Soon there's going to be the metaverse, right? And there's going to be a design house on the metaverse, I'm sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's an exciting time, right, Gary? Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, uh, Adam, we, yeah, go ahead, Gary. You had a question. I was going to say, I was, I was honored to be invited and I could talk to either of you for hours, but both of you are fascinating minds that are deeply invested in this industry. And even if we're not on a podcast, I enjoy every conversation we have. I come back anytime. Good, good, good stuff. Well, we're going to send you a mug if you send us your mailing address, the retail Deal. purchase mug. So Deal. Deal. Um, send it across to Stephanie. And the next time I'll have you right here. 
There you go. It won't be one of these blank mugs. It'll be a retail perch, exciting mug. Perfect. We're trying to add some technology to it. So God knows, you might get retail perch version two mugs. (laughs) But, uh, you know, just for design house. But it's been great talking to you, Adam. And I'm sure our listeners had a fantastic time. And if they needed to reach out to you, how would they do that? Our website, uh, designhouse.design, is the, is the best way to get a hold, a hold of me. Um, so just designhouse.design. There's a wonderful little submit form there. The email comes right to me, and I'm happy to talk to anyone. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We had a great conversation. Gary, any closing thoughts? No, Adam, great to be with you, and I'm sure we're going to be talking again. A pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.